0: Let's open our Bibles to Judges chapter 17, 18 as we continue that message that we'd started. Judges 17, 18. There was an old man out that loved the sea and sailed on the sea often, but uh, as uh, he got older, he began to get lost at sea. And some of his friends um, would bring him back. They'd find him, bring him back, and so they decided, well, we're going to give him a compass. So they gave him a compass, but as usual, he became hopelessly confused and was unable to find land with it. Finally, he was again uh, rescued by his friends, and this time his friends, uh, you know, they were a little disgruntled, and they said, what in the world is going on? We gave you this compass, why did you, uh, you know, why couldn't you find your way back? And he's, uh, the sailor responded, uh, well, you know, I, I kept on wanting to go north, but as hard as I tried to make the needle aim in that direction, it just kept on pointing southeast. <laughs> the old man was so certain that he knew where he should be going that he stubbornly forced his personal orientation on his camp, uh, compass. And that's the way, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves doing the same thing you know we find this in judges over and over and over again Uh, they did what was right in their own eyes they did what was right in their own eyes and it just is repeated over and over Uh, we come to uh, chapter 17 if you'll look with me uh, in verses one through six and i want you to realize that the israelites didn't do necessarily what was wrong in their own eyes. It says that they did what was right in their own eyes. They were convinced that they were doing what was right. In other words, they convinced themselves that they were doing what was right. And this is, this is a problem that we have so easily. We, um, you know, I, I know it by experience it's happened to me it's got to be right god did this you know because i feel it well that may be so but if it contradicts the word of god then we need to question it right and this can easily happen i i don't know about you but i've uh, experienced the same thing in growing up you know i said hey after i was saved you know boy this got to this has got to be right, you know. So my question, well, is that what God teaches? Is that what God says? That doesn't necessarily mean that it's right just because you feel good about it. And this is what was going on with the, uh, uh, the Jewish nation here. Their value systems, their moral standards, their religious doctrines and their pra- uh, practices had lost all touch with reality and absolute truth and the you know they said you know whatever their excuse was it could have been uh well you know that's what my our fathers said it's a little too strict times have changed culture has changed we need to be very careful when we do that because we become we we begin to live in a swamp of relativism and before we know it We have no anchor at all. The boat is just floating along. Our life is just floating along, and we pull whatever we grab for whatever is out there. And this is what happened with the Israelites. And Judges is a book of religious anarchy and and moral collapse. The two go hand in hand. And the reason is, I, I called it junk food. I thought it was a neat little... Uh, thing that one author said that um, you know they begin to feed off junk food and, and what we do when we do that is we do begin to feed off junk food we we begin to feed off our feelings or what somebody else says or you know we can even feed off of well this is the way I, I was raised or or this is uh, what I think is best instead of well does God's word say that? that does it Uh, relate and is it uh, right with God's Word that's our anchor there and so the first junk food that uh, is mentioned that we mentioned last week was self-made religion that that's what happens so often it says now there was a man of the hill country of the of Ephraim whose name was Micah he said to his mother The 1,100 pieces of silver which were taken from you about which you uttered a curse in my hearing. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. He then returned the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. Now, all this sounds good, doesn't it? And his mother said, I wholly dedicate the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. And now, therefore, I will return them to you. Well, we see them making a molten image. They had began to make their own God. Uh, not a God that was maybe uh, away from Yahweh God. They thought it was Yahweh God, but they were making it to fit their beliefs and all. And so we have a, a story about a man living in a hill country. Of Ephraim he seems to be from a wealthy family because he took this uh, uh, 1100 pieces of silver from his mother and his name is Micah and as we talked about last week it is it means who is like the Lord and that was a contradiction really to his character he was a thief to begin with and we read from these verses that he had stolen 1100 pieces of silver from his mother and uh, Micah must have been a very superstitious man his religion and his self-made religion had become superstitious he heard his mother cursing the thief in the name of the lord and he was terrified and so he said to his mother the 1100 pieces of silver which were taken from you about which you uttered a curse in my hearing behold the silver is with me i took it he was so terrified that he brought the money back, and maybe the uh, the blessing that she gave, because she was superstitious. Also, it seemed like uh, was to uh, counsel out the effect of the curse. And his mother said, "Blessed be my son by the Lord." We don't read anywhere where his mother uh, ever condemned the son for his wrong action. Uh, maybe it was because uh, both of them. Acted as a thief because she said that she was going to dedicate all this money to their God, but uh, only 200 of it was dedicated towards it. And so uh, it seems that uh, we don't know what happened to the other amount of money. And um, one, you know, one of the saddest things, I mentioned this last week, one of the saddest things of our time is the uh, parents that have no true values to communicate to their children i have three boys nine grandkids and i wonder what they're going to say about their grandfather and about their father you say well you're a preacher yeah but did i teach them tradition did i teach them well this is the way it's always been did i teach them well, this is what I was taught, or did I teach them the word of God? This is what we need to be concerned about. I mean, I remember when I went off to, uh, to school, I was teaching high school and uh, about to coach and the Lord called me, I felt into the ministry at the time. And so we upped and packed. I'd never been out of Rome, Georgia. And we moved all the way to Texas, to another country. And it was to me, believe me, it was. And we got out there, and I entered school, and I felt so far behind everybody else because, see, I, I was saved my senior year, going into my senior year in high school. And I thought, man, I don't know what these guys know. And I felt so far behind, and... And I remember after I graduated, I felt a little better. Felt like I knew a little bit more after the years that, few years I went to school. But I remember not having all the stories put together. And, and you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's still kind of tough as adults uh, in the Old Testament, isn't it? Especially putting all of it in chronological order. And I, I remember the best book. That one could buy. It was about that tall. And it had the cutest little pictures in it. And that's where I learned. The chronological. Order of the Bible. I sat down with my oldest son. Who was four at the time. And I would read a story with him. Debbie and I would. My wife. And, and I, we would read it to him at night. And have a Bible story. A study with him. Every night. And he didn't know it but I did, I was gaining as much about the Bible knowledge as he was because I didn't know very much. Still don't really. We are in the Old Testament, aren't we? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, here we, you know, what kind of values are we leaving for our children? And it's sad. They... Judges and judges, they were leaving them very little or nothing. Because they were doing what was right in their own eyes. And so we we see him taking a step further. And what he does, Micah, he, he goes and he ordains one of his young sons to the priesthood to be a priest. Now, did he have a right to do that? No. Could he do that or was he supposed to do that? No. It says in verse 5, And the man Micah made a shrine and he made an ephod and, and a household idols and consecrated one of his sons that he might become his priest. This is an act of spiritual anarchy according to God's word. And so if we look at this, we see that it was just a mood of the time So. In verse 6, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. So he was a thief, and then we see that he advanced to be an idolater, which is in plain contradiction to uh, the third commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath uh, or under the water or, or the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. So Micah set up his own shrine in direct contradiction to God's command. The worship was only to be carried out by the tabernacle and the place appointed by God. And we know that was at Shiloh. And so in turn, that was just down, down the road a piece. And fourth, he had established a false priesthood in direct disobedience to God's word. So the thing to think about was not how attractive his shrines were and not how, you know, meaningful it meant to him and not how he felt about it all. This makes him feel good. It, It was about what God thought about it. And God hated it. But a lot of times, God's the last one we think about when we start making up our own religion, our own beliefs, our own way. He says there's to be no other God above him thing that needs to be noticed here was that Micah was not worshiping Baal or false god he was trying to worship Yahweh but in his own way everybody did what was right in their own eyes now i know that the lord yahweh will prosper me seeing that i have a levite as priest judges 17:13 when God condemns idolatry, he not only forbids worship of false gods, he forbids uh, the worship of the true God by images. Now, such false worship robs God of his glory. And it's not to be, uh, you know, it, God can be worshiped. I love to paint. I love to draw. I love, the, you know, the sunset. I love the sunrise. Uh, oh, beautiful nights, trying to put them on canvas, God's creation, but they are not to substitute for God. We don't like unflattering pictures of ourselves floating around. Well, I mentioned that last week. And especially an unflattering picture that is false, And that's exactly what they were doing. That's what Micah was doing. So that's the first junk food that happened. Micah's idolatry had nothing to do with the unavailability of God's house, it had everything to do with the refusal to follow God's word. That's the sad thing about it. Not getting into God's word and knowing God's word. Oh, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to memorize all the scriptures, but you, have, you need to be on a process of learning, continually learning. Having a, a time with God and allowing him to speak to your hearts. Then we come to the second junk food, self-seeking service. It says in verses 7 through 13, Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of uh, the family of Judah, who was a Levite. And he was staying there. Then the man departed from the city, uh, from Bethlehem and Judah, to stay wherever he might find a place. As he made his journey, he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. Now, what, what's so bad about that, him moving around? Well, one thing that's bad about it is, Levites were not to do that, were they? They were assigned, what? Certain places. And that's where they were to stay. But this man was going further. He was seeking to better himself, it seems to. And we'll find out he did. Uh, I mean, that was his purpose, one of his main purposes. Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to stay wherever I may find a place. Micah then said to him, dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me. In other words, I'll let you take over my son's place. I'll get a legitimacy here. I'll put a real Levite, a real priest in there. Dwell with me and be a father and priest to me, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, a suit of clothes and your maintenance. So the Levite went in. The Levite agreed to live with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will prosper me, seeing I have a Levite as a priest. In other words, I'll do it my way and do what I'm supposed to do is have a priest, but he'll be my priest and he'll live with me and I can basically pay him and make sure that he does and says what I want him to say. So uh, one phrase repeated twice tells us a great deal about the uh, wandering Levite. It appears first in verse 8, he departed from Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he might find a place. This seems to tell us that the Levite was only looking for a place to better himself. That sounds perfectly natural. Don't we all want to better ourselves? Certainly we do. But it is this what is this what he should be doing, though, as a Levite? You see, Levites were men who had been called by God. They had the call of God upon them. Now, should a preacher want to better himself? Well, in the right way. They were not to use their calling as an opportunist, as that opportunity moving from place to place, looking to better themselves in the sense of, what they uh, thought was bettering themselves. They were assigned specific cities into which to live, and that is where they were to reside and serve God. This man probably should not even have been in Bethlehem in the first place. And the reason I say this is because this was not a Levitical city. You see, uh, not a Judean city uh, as uh, operated for the Levites. And so this Levite seemed to be a man who refused to be satisfied with God's arrangements for his life. That is the key right there. How many of us are unsatisfied with God's arrangement for our life? Have you ever been that way? I'll raise my hand. I'll tell you what, sometimes... I get dissatisfied with where God has me. I'm not talking about church necessarily. I'm talking about where he has me spiritually or, or, or uh, as a, a person who is uh, doing certain things. And he has me right where he wants me and, and where I need to be a lot of times, and I don't realize that. I'll tell you, for, for example, you, you know David Allen, many of you do, and he teaches at Southwestern. We've had him here in the past. I've told you the story where I got really dissatisfied with where I was when I was in school with him. Here was a guy that was five, uh, six years younger than me. Here was a guy that when he was six years younger than me, I was married, he was single, <clears throat> we were in school together, he already knew Greek and Hebrew. Here was a guy that already had most of his material prepared for his Ph.D. work. I didn't even know. I had to get a child's uh, children's uh, Bible book to, to understand the, uh, what the Old Testament was about in general. And here was a guy that we were struggling I mean we were really struggling in school Debbie was working at the school and in in secretarial office and I was working for a law firm I was a carrier and it was a good job but man you talking about here was a guy that a rich guy at first baptist where we we belonged to while we were in dallas took him to speak at a college out in california took him to a, a school up in in uh, colorado gave him new suits which he didn't care anything about you know nice coats of guns that boy you you know you guys would love to have, I mean, expensive guns, hunting guns. Gave him $500 or $600 boots. And here we were struggling, and I said, you know, I said, God, what is this? I mean, we're trying to work as hard as he is, and we're working at this, and, and he's got it made. But you know, he didn't think anything about all that. He didn't even care anything about all that. He just enjoyed doing the Lord's work. But God let me know. He said, Mike, you're not ready for this. And it was hard to learn to be satisfied where I was. A guy that was so much younger and... And I wasn't the only one. His roommate and another one from from, uh, Rome, uh, another preacher that was in school out there, young guy, my age. uh, We all became real close friends, but we, we just weren't satisfied. The Levite seemed to be a man who refused to be satisfied with God's arrangements for his life. And we so often do that, don't we? And what happens is he was committed to self-promotion and personal betterment. If we're not careful, then we do what we want to do to get ahead. It doesn't matter what it is, and we justify it. And we don't even pray to God about it. We just do it. I've done it. One of Satan's most subtle devices is to get a Christian dissatisfied with the life circumstances and the area of service God has given them. Wherever it is, in your work, at school, in your church. Next stage in the Levite's career occurred when he met Micah. Here were two men with little or no principles as far as really serving and finding out God's will. Micah wanted a proper Levitical priest, and the Levite wanted a job. All of a sudden, the Levite is an ordained minister of the clergy. It is not God's clergy, but it's man's clergy. And once again, there was a direct denial of God's word. Number 16 uh, we read in an, uh, that an ordinary Levite named Korah tried to act as a priest. And what happened there? God intervened, causing the ground to open up and swallow. And I'm glad that he didn't cause that with me out in Texas, you know. There were some sinkholes, but I'm glad that I didn't get sunk up, I mean, uh, swallowed up in them. The Levite had refused to be satisfied with God's arrangements for his service, but now he had made his own and he was satisfied, at least for a while. Now we move to chapter 18 of Judges. We have the next stage of the Levite's career. One day, five spies sent out by the tribe of Dan. Okay, that's okay, Dan, isn't it? Well, we'll find out. Happened on Micah's house. They heard the Levite speak and instantly recognized him as a southerner. He probably welcomed them them by saying, Shalom you all, something like that. I don't know. But when they recognized him as a Levite, they asked him for a blessing and he obliged. And the tribe of Dan uh, uh, decided that what were they going to do? They were going to steal Micah's idols and The Levite at first tried to stop them until the tribe offered him a deal that he could not refuse. Look in in Judges 18, 19. And they said to him, be silent, put your hand over your mouth and come with us and be to us a father and a priest. Now look what they said. It is better for you to be a priest to the house of one man, is it? or to be a priest to the tribe and family in Israel. Hey, look at your congregation, buddy. You're going to go from one or from two or three or four in the family to many. Boy, aren't you going to feel good? He said, well, let me think about it. No, he didn't say that. The biblical answer would have been for him really not to be a priest at all. We can understand why he did it. But the priest's heart was glad, it says in verse 20, and he went among the people. The Levite was getting a promotion. Man, he was climbing the ladder, but climbing the ladder the wrong way. Reminds me of a story about a preacher who got a call from a larger church. Nothing wrong with a call from a larger church. Better pay in church. Nothing wrong with getting more pay for the pastor but the problem was was it god's will for the preacher that's what he had to find out so one of the members from the smaller church that he was pastoring gave a call to the family and when he gave the call the daughter the little daughter answered the phone and he said where's your mom and dad and the little daughter said um i can you know call them and he said well where are they and she said well dad's upstairs praying about the move while mom's downstairs packing and that's that's the way it is a lot of times i you know we've made that joke before about that when we moved you know uh, like when we moved from school to to a church and the sad thing about the Levite was his you know his self-promoting attitude here that uh He had begun as a dissatisfied individual. Now he had become an apostate priest of an entire tribe responsible for leading the tribe into idolatry. And this is what is happening with this situation. It reminds us that it it does not do any good to have a godly uh, ancestor if you do not know God yourself and godliness is not genetic so uh we we look at this and we see an attitude uh, you know that says hey i want what is best for me and god you come and join me instead of praying well lord what do you want for me we need to ask ourselves when we're climbing the ladder you know okay who are we serving ourselves When we're doing something uh, for the work of the Lord, who are we serving? Our church, others? Organization? Who are we serving? Or is it the Lord? The lesson for us is contentment. Now that doesn't mean to just stay in one place. It means to allow God to open up your doors. And that may mean sending out resumes it may mean going and applying for other jobs but you better be praying before you do that god i i I want the right place i want to and I, i want my heart to be right and and i i want to be in the place that you want me to be because i want to tell you it's hard enough to you know to know god's will at times and get in the right place and when you get you feel like you get into a place and i've felt this way at times and you get there, and God can still use you. You admit that you, you, know, you, you just made a mistake, but it's miserable at times to get in that wrong place. And you know, you, the, the problems and the difficulties that you have to face makes life unpleasant. So it is uh, the necessity of godly contentment with godly arrangements for our lives that we need to understand here. And then the junk food, that is last, easy living. Look in 18, 1 through 10, and verses 27 through 31. I'm not going to read these verses. 1 through 10, and 27 through 31. In 18.1, it says, In those days the tribe of Danite, Danites was seeking an inheritance for themselves to live in. For until that day, an inheritance had not been allotted to them as a possession among the tribes of Israel. Now, what did they mean there? Well, if you go back to Joshua 19, they were assigned a certain portion between Ephraim and, and Judah, stretching towards the Mediterranean, but failed to trust God and did not drive out the enemy. Dan was left with two choices, okay? They didn't obey God, to repent of their unbelief and to trust God to keep his word and enter the battle and gain the victory, or they could look for a new area. They could reconcile in their mind, okay, it's okay. We need to move on somewhere else. We need a more comfortable place, And that's the choice that they made. They chose the easy place and the easy way. And I want to tell you, that's not hard to do. Who wants a tough route if it is a tough route? Who wants a route that requires more work and more discipline? Who wants the route where you know, you, you seem like, okay, man, when do I get any rest? We, as human beings, want the easy route. I do. And so they found it far to the north in Laish, a quiet area. And it was colonized by some Phoenicians who were isolated from any allies and god had called israel to war and dan had refused to fight his battle and it was not because they were committed to peace we're peaceable people you know it was because they were committed to ease and so dan's love for ease went hand in hand with their turning to idols so the five spies of dan did not go to shiloh to find the will of God, they went there to take Micah's shrine and hired priests so that they could continue their easy path. Once we start down that path, we want to reconcile, we want to uh, make it feel good, and we want to think that we're doing what is right when we're going the wrong way. And so uh, we face the same danger that, that Dan did. The love of ease. It was very tempting to carve out a layish for ourselves. A quiet little island of peace where we live in affluence and and forget all about the needy world outside us. That's why it's so easy for us. And and we've been talking about evangelism to, to stay inside the walls, right? I mean, it's comfortable in here. We know each other. It's comfortable to be around each other, right? But to push ourselves outside, to meet those people wherever we concentric circles of concern, like when we go to eat, like when we go to the uh, drugstore or we go to the grocery store, and we just drum up some conversation, like when we meet our neighbors in our neighborhood or on campus, or at school, wherever it might be. And we begin that relationship with them, talking with them, sharing with them. In fear so often of being rejected, in fear of being humiliated, in fear of being not liked by them, them turning us off, that goes with the territory. But if we do it in the right heart, with the right spirit, that's okay. We just pray for it. We face the same danger as Dan did. Why sacrifice when we can settle down and be comfortable? You see, no New Testament Christian can live a, really a life of ease. No lover of the cross can retire from God's mission in the world. Settling down and living a life of ease involves and will involve idol worship. So we see in 1 Chronicles, we're, we're given a list of, of tribes and families in Israel. And Dan, if you'll read that list sometime, Dan is not mentioned. It's the only tribe that is totally ignored. They had vanished in obscurity. It was probably because of the intermarriage with the Philistines. But even worse, if you go to Revelation chapter 7, where the 144,000 Hebrew witnesses are mentioned, guess who is nowhere to be found? Dan. They refused to follow God and his mission for them earlier and now God refused to give them that special witnessing mission during the tribulation people choosing junk food spiritually speaking we do the same thing in other words what I mean by that is there is a way which seems right to man but its end is the death, way of death in Proverbs fourteen twelve. what are you talking about Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Imagine if you work for a company, and the president found it necessary to travel out of the country very often and uh, be gone for an extended time, and he told his employees, his trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave. And while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to the business. You manage things while I'm away. I will write you regularly. And when I do, I will instruct you in what you should do from now until when I return. So everybody agrees. Then all of a sudden, after a while, he returns. But when he returns, man, everything's in a mess. Everything's grown up. Everything's run down the people, or there's a lot of horseplay and things going on in the office. And without hesitation, he calls everyone together and he said, what happened? Didn't you get my letters? Oh yeah, sure, we got them. We got all of them. Matter of fact, we got all of them and we thought them to be so special, we bound them together. And some of us even have memorized some of the letters in fact we have a letter study every sunday you know those really great letters that you like to read the the ones that you sent that just meant so much to us then the president asked but what did you do about the instructions And the the response from the employees do well, nothing. But we did read every one of the letters. You get the message. This is not what the Israelites were doing in judges, doing anything about the letters, about God's word. But, hey, Do we really do anything about God's word at times? I know there's been times in my life where drifting away, doing my own thing, hey, I may have had a... Do you know, I I went through the routine of uh, before I was called to preach. uh, A preacher told me, he said, read a New Testament book and read two Old Testament books every day. And I got in that routine of reading every day. But he didn't tell me and do what it says in those books. It's easy to do. We can have it. We can know it. We can even memorize it. But if we don't take it to the application, we abort it. We abort the truth because we cut that procedure short. Let's buy our heads. And